of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so these readings, I probably preached the worst sermon I have ever preached at Trinity Cathedral on these readings about six years ago. And I actually randomly remembered this at the end of August, and so I swore to myself and I promise you today that I will attempt to be more faithful and hopeful as I share something new. According to the Global Wellness Institute, the United States spends $37 billion on gym memberships, $10 billion on mindful movement, and $57 billion on sports and recreation. And even though we, we are the number one country globally in expenditures, the United States ranks 20th as far as participation. What does this mean? Even though we collectively spend the most of any society in the world on our physical health and wellness, we waste over $400 million on gym memberships that go unused. And we don't see in our statistics a significant correlation between expenditure and overall societal health. What do people have to say about this? Well, Ellen Latham, who's the founder of Orange Theory Fitness, wrote a book about her experiences with owning and managing a gym. And she writes that people drop out because they find gyms boring. There's no community environment. Or that they're expecting too much of a quick fix from something that needs a lifetime of good habits. And she also writes that people need opportunities to push themselves beyond their comfort zones when they work out, otherwise they don't see results. That they need to be given the chance to exert even more energy, even more effort, even more intensity than what they would do alone if they're really serious. And it needs to be enjoyable and fun. So the long and short from Ellen Latham is, if we want to improve physically, we have to push ourselves beyond our comfort zones on a regular basis to achieve optimum physical health. Okay, so there's physical, but what about mental? So about mental health, many of us also embark on these quests for our mental stamina, mental wellness, wholehearted living. We read every self-help book that we can, and we make ourselves do things like puzzles every morning, the Wordle from the New York Times, or maybe the New York Times crossword puzzle if you're really that adventurous, or a Sudoku game, or we put on music when we're at home and we try to listen to things like Mozart or Bach, or we try to absorb this mental energy that well-constructed musical counterpoint brings into the world. We're trying to always do something a little bit more to help ourselves get smarter. Why? Because we believe that if we push ourselves into a continuous state of learning, our mental health and wellness will be achieved. We'll get mentally healthy. We'll have done everything we can to keep our minds functioning at tip-top shape well into the future. 
We push ourselves beyond our boundaries to experience a new paradigm of mental vigor, strength, and wholeness. And then we get to our spiritual health. And this is where our gospel today comes in. The apostles surround Jesus and they say, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus tells them that even if they had the tiniest bit of faith, they'd be able to do amazing things. And then this gospel goes to a rather kind of complicated place, a dark place about servants and their masters and this diatribe that goes on and on that if you do the work your master commands you to do, that is, if you do the work you ought to be doing, why do you expect anything more in return than just being able to continue carrying on this work? So is this reading telling us that we have to push ourselves a little bit more spiritually? That we have to push ourselves out of our spiritual comfort zones so that we can grow our spiritual lives? We have to make ourselves spiritually uncomfortable in the same way we push our bodies physically or in the same way we push our minds mentally, that we have to push our spiritual selves to go beyond, to places we haven't imagined before. Well, maybe in as much as how we commit to practicing or nurturing our spiritual lives, Quite possibly, if we're trying to reinvigorate practices of prayer or contemplation or some type of more involved spiritual activity, of course, all of those might require us to go a little bit beyond what is our comfort zone or our everyday discipline. And we have to challenge ourselves. We have to challenge ourselves what we think and what we think we think. And we have to examine our inner lives in a powerful and dynamic way. Yeah, okay. All of that would be good, but we're talking about faith and spirituality here. The quest to increase our faith. After all, that's what the disciples wanted from Jesus. We have to remember, though, that the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. And I think it would be very easy to glean from the disciples that what they want is absolute certainty from Jesus about everything that's going to happen in their lives. And Jesus is not prepared to give that to them. He's willing to help them develop their faith. He's actually done this over and over again, helping them develop and nurture their faith within them. But what they're really seeking is certainty. They want to be told everything. And that isn't something that God ever really promises us. So this short parable vignette about, that we get about slaves and masters is a puzzle about doing what we ought to do and whether or not that bears fruit or yields anything other than what we ought to do. This reading might make us frustrated. It might make us throw our hands up in the air and totally feel that we've come to a dead end. We don't, we don't know. And perhaps that's the point. Faith cannot be achieved by pushing ourselves harder or doing more than we ought. Faith is a gift. 
Improving our physical health might include pushing ourselves with high-intensity exercise, and we improve our mental health by doing all these things like puzzles and so on, but our faith and our spiritual life is not something that we can expand simply by our own volition, by our own actions, by our own efforts alone. No. Faith and spirituality are gifts from God. They are given to us. Okay, so I guess the plan is then we do nothing and act like the servants who are in the parable that say, we're worthless, we, we've only done what we ought to have done. Guess that's it. Time to go home. Really? Well, how boring would that be? Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God brings a full and complete life to everyone. So if we sit idly by, we miss out on everything that God intends for us. Yes, faith is a gift, but remember that Jesus says things like, seek first the kingdom of God, knock and the door will be open, ask questions of ourselves, of ourselves inside, but also ourselves of our community, Who is my neighbor? Jesus also says, love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Or bless the poor, feed the hungry, comfort the afflicted, bind up the brokenhearted, heal the sick, proclaim good news. There is no magic bullet, no quick fix, no instapot of spirituality. But the reality is that some of our actions to strive for God's kingdom will help unlock places within us, will help unlock portals to dig deeper, to reveal something new, to draw us closer to the holy presence of Christ that deals, excuse me, the holy presence of Christ that lives inside of each of us. Now you all know this, so it bears repeating. There is nothing you can do or not do that will keep you from the realm of God's intense and never-ending love. Nothing. Everyone gets as much of a portion of this love as they want because God is giving it all to us continuously. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a free gift that is given freely and constantly by God because God loves us that much. When we are able to grasp the magnitude of this is when we start seeing how our faith can increase. When we are able to first permit ourselves to bask in the light of God's love, just to bask in the light of God's love is when our hearts start to grow a little bit bigger and our spirituality then begins to deepen and we acknowledge, we start, we start acknowledging that God walks alongside of us and then our faith, little by little, starts to grow. Do we have everything figured out? No, that's not the point. Remember, faith is the opposite of certainty. However, we begin realizing that the presence of God follows us wherever we go in a way that loves us, in a way that is available to us, in a way that will be there for us freely, 
constantly, all the time. So when we need more faith, focus on the things of God. Focus on love, loving God, loving your neighbor, loving yourself. Focus on the love you see, the love you see within yourself, within your family, within your community. Seek out loving people. And when people are down and out, comfort people and offer them love. Be a blesser and convey love everywhere. And when you are tired, when your mind wants to close off, when your spiritual well, when your spiritual well gets empty, ask God to reveal more love to you. More love when you wake up in the morning and more love when you go to sleep at night. Search out everlasting love wherever you see it and God will absolutely increase your awareness of God and your faith will grow. And who knows, one day this increased faith of yours this increased faith of ours, it will push our limits. It will make us see something different. It will break us out of our physical and mental and spiritual comfort zones. And the result? The result? Well, the future is still a mystery, of course. But what I know for a fact is, the result will be that the kingdom of God will truly draw near. And what a real blessing that will be. <laughs>